When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Hello and welcome to Robins on the Wire, episode 103. I speak now, unfortunately, in the wake of the depressing defeat against Millwall in midweek. Who knows where that one came from? Certainly uh, after the Fulham win and and a good performance against Huddersfield in the last home match. I think most people would have expected the Robins to have got something from the from the midweek game. However, it wasn't to be. And <clears throat> Gary Rowett returned to Bristol City and won, unfortunately, his, his second game in, in succession after his Stoke City won, if you remember, last season after a uh, Jack Butland-inspired away performance that saw them narrowly win that one. And yeah, Millwall, for me, were, were good value. We're going to discuss that in a second. Myself and my... Partner in crime often on match days, uh, George Allen, who is a University of Gloucester student. He's also a Bristol City fan. He's been watching the matches alongside me, so he's in a good place to comment. Before myself and George discuss both the the, the outstanding Fulham win and the disappointing uh, Millwall defeat from Tuesday, we're going to hear from Ashley Williams. Now, I caught up with Ashley earlier this week. This was him speaking after the Fulham game, but before the Millwall match. And we just discussed life in general at BS3, how much he's enjoying it. The wonder that is Hanoa Masengo in midfield, the chances of Williams extending his contract further and staying beyond this year, uh, what it's like to work for Lee Johnson and a lot more. Here's, here's what uh, Ashley Williams told us and then after that we'll, we'll discuss the games in focus. Hiya Ash, um, <clears throat> what's the mood among the players currently after that good result at the weekend? Uh, good, as you can imagine. Um... You know, we was very happy with with the last two games, really, but especially the one on the weekend was a nice one. Um, but we understand that we've got a lot more work to do, and the challenge is to keep that kind of level of uh, performance, you know, as many weeks as we can. Um, there's different things we could have done better in the game, but on the whole, um, we we feel like that was a big three points, only three, but you know, a big three. And um, yeah, we 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 was happy with what what we did on the weekend. I was going to say, I'm, I'm sure you're particularly pleased with how the defensive performance panned out, and especially given that both yourself and Nathan successfully shackled the league's leading goal scorer. Yeah, no, nah, and you know, to extend it a bit further, I think the whole team really. And I know it's a bit cliche, but you know, you've seen the game, and I thought everyone put a real shift in, um, especially the boys from the front, as they always do, really. But. You know, we would have liked the clean sheet, definitely. That was, that was a little bit disappointing. But, you know, to play against a team with good quality, as you say, a good striker that I've played against loads of times and he scored goals. So, um, you know, to defend like we did for large periods of the game, especially towards the end, um, you know, it's something that we can be very pleased about and, and that's everyone involved, really. Um, it's been a tough 10 days for the club, Ash. Um, 
but obviously the news about Benek's daughter and so on. Uh, can you give an insight on how things have been for the players over that time? Yeah, well, it's, there's nothing that prepares you for, for that kind of news. Um, so that's been tough, it, you know. Um, for us, you know, we definitely wanted to go out and win. Um, not that it, you know, it doesn't mean anything in the, in the bigger picture, but you know, that's that's on our mind as well. You know, we want to do kind of justice for Bennett, and um, he's such a big. You know, and I think he played five games here, was it? But I think you can see the impact that he made on on everyone, including the fans as well, and all the lads and stuff. So it's it's been tough, you know. When um, obviously I knew when it happened but the day before the Huddersfield game, but. When the gaffer told everybody, you could just feel like just the atmosphere in the room was like one of the worst that I've probably ever experienced in a, in a dressing room, really. So, as I say, there's nothing really that can prepare a group of players for something like that when it's someone that you love. But, um, you, you know, what, all you can do is try and do just this and, you know, get on with your job and try and do as best as you can, really. Yeah, yeah. And obviously there's things that are bigger than football of course um, without wishing to pry too much some of the fans have speculated that your goal in the Huddersfield game you, I think you put your hands up in the air that that was maybe linked to um, a, a more is that true is that, was that part of the celebration or was yeah of course yeah no yeah of course yeah I knew I knew the day before and um, you know, I was speaking to Casey all night and uh, just well the reaction was as you can imagine you know um, both very upset so I thought, well, I don't score many goals, but if I do score tomorrow, I'll obviously try and do something nice that Benick will see and stuff. So then popped up with a goal. So yeah, but I, I understand that at the at the time nobody knew about it, but yeah, but Benick knew. So um, that was the main thing. Nice one. And just on yourself, um, how pleased are you generally with your form and how things are, are going at Ashton Gate? Yeah, I'm happy. You know, I said I think last time we sat here, I was happy, and and I'm I'm even happier now. I think. For us as a group, the season's gone pretty well up to now. Um, for me personally, I'm, you know, I've played every game, which which is obviously very pleasing. Um, I think I've played well on the whole. You know, there's things I obviously couldn't do better all the time. Um, but the main thing is that, that if the gaffer's happy with me and he's picking me, that means I'm doing something right. So um, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy. And with the way the season's gone, I couldn't have imagined it to go this well. Um, yeah, and I just want to, you know, continue to try and help everyone I can. If I, if I'm playing, then then great, and you know, try and stay in the team for as long as I can personally. But the main thing is that we're in a good position, and you know, we're playing good football. Um, over the last couple of years, uh, quite a few players have commented on the spirit within the um, Bristol City dressing room. Just wondered how that compared to other spirits and other squads. Sorry that you've been involved with maybe Wales, <coughs> for example. And, and what are the key features of a, a winning squad in terms of the spirit? Yeah. No, I think that um, you know one of the one of the big things that I could say is um, people that aren't playing want the best for the people that are playing, and also try to help with that. So there's not there's not too many egos, isn't it? I don't think there's any egos here that put themselves before the team, and I think that's credit to the gaffer with the type of people that he brings in. Um, but you don't always get that I don't think there's a lot of moaning and, and it's natural everyone wants to play and I think everyone wants to play here but when you go in at half time subs are saying maybe I don't know um, you know I noticed that that player's doing that watch out for that it's nice to hear because it means that everybody wants the best for the group and I think from the outside I'm pretty sure you could probably see that it, it, that whatever that, that's the way it is inside you know I think um, that's why it's a pleasure to come to work every morning because 
if I didn't play, I'd want the best for whoever the two boys or the three boys or whatever was playing in my position and, and vice versa, really. So it's a whole group effort. And at the end of the day, if the group win, we all win, if that makes sense. So it's nice to see. That's That would be, you know, what you'd want as a manager, I'm sure. And, you know, fortunately... That, that's what the gaffers, you know, that's the environment that is made here and it's, you know, it's refreshing really. And, and Millwall up next, how important is it to follow it up <coughs> with another good result? So obviously following the Fulham win. Yeah, no. This so attention. We didn't have lo- we, we didn't have long to you know set, over celebrate the Fulham game. And um, attention switches to Millwall, another team that are playing well. Um, different challenge and test to Fulham. Um, but we're at home, you know, we're off the back of two good games. We'll have our game plan, which we want to stick to and, and try and win the game. I'm sure they will as well. Um, a manager that I know well and, you know, I respect and he's a good manager and he's, he's got them playing good. So we know it's going to be a difficult game, as they all are really in this league. Um, but, you know, we, as I said before, that's, you know, we've kind of set standards now in the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, we, can, we know we can do better, but I think that's the minimum now of, of you know, standard of performance that we need to play at. Just wanted to ask you very briefly about Hanoa Masengo. Only 18, but at times he was just spinning past tackles in that Fulham midfield. Um, how highly do you rate him? Yeah, I love him. Really like him. It's it's incredible to think that he's 18 years old. Just his maturity of just of, of being around the place. He's like, I think back to when I was 18 and nothing like him. You know, he's just he's so mature. He's quiet. He listens. He tries to learn. He gets on with it. He, you couldn't ask for any more in a young lad to, uh, you know, to have around you. And his performances are mature as well. Um, you see how he's got so much confidence on the ball. He's gritty. He doesn't mind a fight with with bigger men than him. Um, you know, I think he's a really good player. Really nice boy. I, you know, I really like him. And um, I think we all, you know, we all try and help him. He listens and. Yeah, you, I, I, you know, you, obviously he's got a lot more to learn as a player. Don't get me wrong, but you couldn't ask for any more. I think from an 18-year-old coming into a different country and playing first-team football, you know, credit to him really. Have you taught him any Welsh at all, or anything like that, or uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, um, no, not really. But he's been teaching me a little bit of French, though, to be honest. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it works both ways. <laughs> Just uh, finally, on yourself, uh, you recently had your contract extended to the end of the season. We just wondered if you'd be open to staying longer than that. Is that something you've thought about at all, maybe? Uh, on, the honest answer is not really. And just, you know, I'm just trying to enjoy this season. And obviously the games have come so thick and fast that you don't have to, I, haven't thought, I haven't thought at all about next season or, or anything like that. Not, those conversations have not been had, not even in my own head. So um, that would have to be something that we visited at the time, really. And, you know, with the gaffer and, and whatnot and stuff, and see how I feel as well. And I, I just haven't really thought of it. I just, you know, I'm so focused on this season, but I'm enjoying it. So I feel fit. Um, and yeah, I don't know. We'll see, really. I'm, you know, I'm open to anything. And we'll just, it's just one of them. I think I just need to see how this season goes and then see where, you know, where, I've, where I'm at and um, where the gaffer's at or, or whatever. And I'm just enjoying this season and, you know, I can't really say more than that. I'm actually, this is this. I haven't enjoyed football like this for a few years, to be honest. So that was actually Williams' view, and unfortunately, we all know what happened there. We went on to see the the two-one uh, loss on on uh, Tuesday night. Here's myself and George discussing that game and the Fulham win and everything else at Bristol City currently happening. So I'm here with George Allen. 
and we're going to discuss the last two Bristol City games that we both were in attendance for. George is helping us out on Bristol Live this season. So, yeah, let's start off actually with the Fulham game. Do you think that was the best performance or certainly away performance for Bristol City this season, in your opinion, George? You don't have to agree with that. Possibly. Um, it's a difficult one because I, I, obviously there's been a few good performances away from home this season. First that springs to the mind is probably the Derby one. Um, the Stoke one wasn't the greatest, but it was a really good result, I thought. Mm. But the Fulham one, yeah, I would say that was the best just because... You know, it, it took us took us from took City from third, uh, sorry, from fourth to into yeah. third place, into the upper echelons of the, yeah. of the league. I'd agree with you. I think um, Derby was a really great uh, result and performance. Also, Hull, which came straight after yeah. that, was um, two away games on the trot. Um, but yeah, Fulham away. Obviously, I think you, you've got to take into account the caliber of the players that that, that were. Um, Obviously, playing for the Cottagers that day, you've got really seasoned, uh, basically, players at, at this level. The likes of Knockart, who was the Championship Player of the Year, wasn't he, when Brighton yeah. went up that season. And then, obviously, well, Ivan Cavallero, Cavallero for me, is one of, the, one of the best wingers in the division. He had a lot of chances. But Bristol City coped with all those guys fairly well. Which of the Bristol City players stood out the most for you? Would it be one of the defenders, the two centre-backs were outstanding for me, or or maybe one of the attackers, obviously Nicholas Eliasson grabbed his eighth assist of the season then, which is no mean feat, seeing he's, he's now, well, he obviously started uh, tonight, we're recording this after the um, loss to Millwall, which has been his sixth league start of the season, but that was only his fifth at the time, and yeah, that's not a bad record, is it? Eight assists from five stops? Yeah, in terms of players standing out, it's, there, are, there are quite a few, five or six, I'd say, but for me, yeah, it's got to be the performance from Baker and Williams at the back. I thought they were absolutely incredible. I think that everything they did was was phenomenal, really. And a few others, I'd say Masengo was outstanding. It's just unbelievable to, that just the fact that he's 18 and he's playing in the championship and he's one of City's top players. I think yeah. it's incredible. You've got, obviously, like you said, Eliasson. Um Another one, Jeju as well, I thought was, was fantastic. Yeah, Deju was great and he deserved his goal. On Just on Masengo, I wanted to interrupt you there just to say that after the game, I had several Fulham fans um, sort of in my timeline on the mentions on so social media congratulating Bristol City on a great win, but also asking about Masengo, saying, who is this guy? Um, because he, he, he looks a real talent. And, yeah, I think flabbergasted, really, that, yeah, he's 18, as you say, and, and putting in things like that, that little spin in the middle. I, I wanted to talk about the, the second goal that Bristol City scored against Fulham. That, for me, is, I don't know if you'd agree, Bristol City's moment of the season, because wonderful, wonderful team goal, but also several little elements in it where Deji, as you, you said, he played really well. He held the ball up fantastically, laid it... Um, laid it back for Masengo who then spins and it's Johansson I think flies in and is basically sent from up for a hot dog as they say and then they it basically is played out wide to Hunt who has that little duel with Joe Bryan plays the pass through Joe Bryan's legs I don't know if you noticed yeah. that and then obviously Brownhill flicks it on for Naji Naji with the composure to pick out Deju at the back post and yeah and Deju 
because it was best to score there, he, he really made sure um, it was one of those ones where it dribbled a little bit off his foot. But fantastic move, yeah. fantastic goal. Yeah, like you said, everything about it was brilliant. The way that it started off with the Jeju, the turn from Masengo, I think Hunt had it out wide for a bit. Um, obviously came to uh, Brownhill, flicked on to Naji, who made that great run. It was a great run from Naji. Obviously, he put it on a plate for Jeju in front of the away fans as well. I think, like you said, probably would be the moment of the season so far, I'd say. Yeah, and it was also interesting to hear from Scott Parker after the game and his thoughts as to as to why Fulham lost. He obviously pointed towards that big penalty decision at the end of the game. Looking at it in real time as it happened, what did you think? Did you think it could be given, would be given? Was it a penalty, not a penalty? In real time, I, th- I thought it was, but... Looking back, looking back at it, I mean, I've looked back at it so many times. I still don't really know. It's it's a matter of opinion, really. But I, I yeah. don't think it was. But I can't say that wholeheartedly. It's such a difficult one. Yeah. Part of the problem is that the camera angles are so rubbish on it. There's no yeah. definitive close-up version, is yeah. there, where we can see if there was contact or not. I agree with you. I thought at the time it was a penalty. I thought that's going to be given. Amazingly, it wasn't. But also, you see so many bad decisions in the Championship week yeah. in, week out, that it's probably about time Bristol City benefited from from some decisions like that. So, yeah, that, that was good to see. And obviously, City went on and, and got a, a, a win they fully deserved. But going back to Scott Parker, yeah, he, he was obviously... Um, saw it from the other side and, and thought it was a clear penalty and, and felt like many Fulham supporters that maybe they didn't get the rub of the green from the officials, Mr Jeremy Simpson, on, on the day. But, hey, that's the championship. Just yeah. moving on then to tonight's game, we've just um, watched Millwall beat Bristol City and I'm going to say that for those watching Bristol City for a while, <laughs> this kind of result doesn't surprise that Bristol City have got this in them, haven't they? That yeah. they can go away, get a great result, great performance on the road, and then come back to Ashton Gate, and as we saw tonight, unfortunately, be turned over by, I would say, a, a good side, because I was impressed by Millwall, I'm going to come on to that, but, but maybe a, a match where you would have expected maybe to not lose at, at least. Yeah, I mean... It really was chalk and cheese, really, I think. You know, on Saturday at Fulham, it was an open game. C had a lot of chances, especially in the first half. Whereas today at Ashton Gate, it was more, uh, you know, Rowett put his middle players behind the ball. But they were brilliant on the counter as well. And like you said, they were quite impressive. But, um, well, yeah. I mean, this is going to be, like, the obvious question, but... It's easy to say in hindsight, but would you have made changes for tonight, or would you? Have, can you understand why Lee Johnson didn't make changes? And yeah, uh, how important was that in the in the in the loss tonight? Yeah, it's, it's obviously difficult to say now. But uh, uh, before before the uh, team sheets came out, I thought he should have kept. I thought he should have made one or two changes just because you know only two full days since the Fulham game, but. It's so difficult to change it because you know they want to. They, they had that team for the Huddersfield game um, and that same team at Fulham. It was. It would have been difficult for him to change it, and I'm sure that a lot of a lot of fans would have been disappointed if he had. But yeah, like you said, it's difficult to look back at it now and make a decision on that. Yeah, I agree with you um, to an extent. I actually thought before the game he should 
keep it as it is and I, I have to admit I got it wrong that's a wrong decision looking back now obviously it's easy to say because they lost but I think what I kind of forgot is that you've got a lot of young players in this team and I always think with the young players what you tend to find is there's a lack of consistency and certainly the likes of Masengo who was really brilliant the last couple of games he just wasn't himself tonight he, mm-hmm. he misplaced so many sort of three balls and being fair to him he, he's got a really great skill set amazing touches fantastic finesse uh, and lovely control of the ball in the middle just glides past players but if there's one thing he needs to add to his game it's maybe those really killer passes and there's there were like I, I distinctly remember four or five occasions tonight where he could have maybe maybe made that defence splitting pass and City is suddenly in some great positions but he can't make that tonight yeah. and unfortunately City can't take advantage so yeah what, what did you make of Masengo and, and maybe some of the other guys maybe Nicholas Eliasson wasn't quite his best either yeah I mean like you said, I think there was a few times tonight um, where Masengo played, went to play a pass, it was slightly over here. There were three or four times where that happened. As you mentioned with, with, um, with experienced players, you know, like Ashley Williams seems to, seems to have a solid game every game, even when he's not quite at his best. He still had an alright game. Um, but yeah, on to, on to Elias, and as you mentioned as well, I think it's. It's, he is coming on leaps and bounds, Elias, and he really is. He's, I think in the last couple of games, especially, he's been City's probably City's best player. But um, yeah, it's to, just that consistency. Yeah, that, and it, that they're lacking in a lot of players. Yeah, to be fair to Nicholas Eliasson tonight, I thought he had a fairly quiet start to the game, but then a lot of players did. Mm. But by the end, if you look at it, obviously Millwall are camped out in their own box, and he's raining crosses over and. Yeah. All it takes is that it's just a slightest flick and it, it's a whole different result. And Eliasson, once again, is the hero, you know. So it, it's, it really is fine, fine stuff, fine line stuff. So, yeah, maybe we're being a little bit harsh there on Nicholas Eliasson because, remember, it is only his sixth start of the season this season. Just a, a word on Millwall. I was massively impressed by them. Mm. I, yeah. they, Gary Rowett has just been talking to us in the press conference afterwards explaining that it's only one defeat in eight games since he's been in charge and I can understand that because I thought they were really tough to break down tonight they had a, a really good system as well that I thought really um, was was really tough to play through but made the most of their strengths if you know what I mean um, he obviously made changes himself and he actually admitted that he's used a different tactical system in every game so far so I'm not too sure um, well, maybe he just kind of stumbled a little bit over the right tactics. That's probably being a bit unfair to him. But yeah, were, were you impressed by Millwall as well? Where do you see them maybe finishing this season? Um, this, I mean, firstly, I think it, when I when Neil Harris was sacked, I thought it was quite harsh. But he's come in and he, I think he's done a really, really good job, a really good appointment. And as you said, tonight they they were just they were just a horrible team to play against. They just really tough to play against, really tough to break down. As for them this season, I mean, if they can continue over this Christmas period and you know maybe get a few good results as they have been getting, and push on into the new year and maybe go on a little run, you never know. They could end up in and around that top six. You know what the championship's like. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you there. And yeah, I mean, we asked um, Gary Rowett actually after the game whether he thought Millwall could 
push for those top six places and he was saying he doesn't set any targets at the moment they've got ambitions but he's not going to look beyond the cliche of game by game so yeah I was so impressed by them tonight I thought I think maybe they could get into the mix so as it happens looking at the championship just just to round off really just looking at the championship with a with a wider angle sort, sort of results have kind of gone for City tonight obviously Fulham have lost at Preston I think Nottingham Forest have drawn so Bristol City are remaining fourth at the moment but they're going to have to pick things up against Nottingham Forest uh, sorry against Blackburn Rovers this coming weekend but I think this is a game coming up that they can definitely win we've, we've, we've seen them against good sides and I do think Blackburn Rovers are a decent side so yeah what, what's going to be key in your opinion um, George uh, for, for um, Lee Johnson to get Bristol City winning again at at Ashton Gate, which for a long time has been a bit of an Achilles heel. Well, it's a difficult one, really. I think it's, it's, there, there is often going to be a lot of games easier than others. I think these sorts of teams like Millwall, they are difficult to play against. The teams that are a lot more open, like Blackburn, I think will be this weekend. I think will be a lot easier. They'll um, attack, yeah, they will yeah. attack. Would you, would you make changes for this coming game? And what, uh, what, how, how would you maybe set up? Would you stick with the four four two, or would you go go back to maybe the five three two? And has anyone done enough from tonight? Obviously, we've seen Callum O'Dowder score. I think it was his first goal of the season. Volley that clipped the back post and went in. And Casey Palmer. I don't think probably anyone could mm. make too much of a case for Casey starting based on tonight's performance. He came off the bench. He lost the ball. Well, in fact, he gave away the free kick, which led to the second goal for Millwall. And then he's lost the ball in a dangerous area as well. So that's not good. Although he did play a sublime three pass for Pedro Pereira towards the end of the game. And I suppose that's what what he offers. But yeah, would you make many changes for the weekend game? Personally, I don't think I would. I think I'd, I think I'd give that team another chance. I think that it was, like I said before, it's been they've had two, two full days since their last game. I think they can't, they're not going to be consistent every single game. Give it another chance, and um, yeah, like I said, I think Blackburn game. Although they're higher up in the league than Millwall, I think the, the Blackburn game will suit City more than this game tonight against Millwall. I think. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and I think it was in, um, one of Bristol City's best home performances last season, wasn't it? The four-one yeah. win against Blackburn here maybe flattered them on the day. I remember Tony Mowbray speaking in the post-match press conference saying that he was a little bit un- unhappy at the final score. He admitted that, obviously, his side were beaten by the better team, but that 4-1 really did uh, flatter Bristol City on that occasion. I think Deju got a good goal coming off the bench, sort of a dribbler, if I remember, that, where he kind of mm-hmm. half hit it and it kind of has gone past the goalkeeper a little yeah. bit easily. But um, yeah, and and just sort of looking a little further ahead, it maybe it's pretty key to get a win this weekend because you've got the Christmas fixtures coming up and a lot of matches in a short space of time off to Sheffield Wednesday, yeah. and then um, before the likes of Brentford and Luton come to these parts. So yeah, yeah would you agree with that? Vi- how important it is it to, for them to get that win at home, maybe, and and, and maybe kickstart some home form because. They they don't want to be relying on on away yeah. wins too much. Yeah, it seems like that. It seems like it's been like, like that for a while now. I think it's just the home form that lets City down. I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure whether it's just going away from home suits them a bit more. 
But um, maybe yeah, maybe over the over a few over the Christmas games, if as long as City can pick up a few points, staying around that playoff place, playing those playoff places, I think um, they'll be in a, in a really good position for the new year. Yeah, maybe maybe a touch of stage fight in BS3, mm. I don't know. Yeah. There are a few young players involved. I just want to go back to what you were saying before, by the way, about Neil Harris and just throw in that um, if you haven't seen on social media, Neil Harris was actually at Ashton Gate tonight having a look at both teams here. Other interesting observers were Graham Coughlin, um, the Bristol Rovers manager, sat behind us. And also we're told, we were told tonight that the head of recruitment from Middlesbrough was here at the game, which is an interesting one for us to ponder, whether that's related to maybe having a look at some Bristol City players or maybe some Millwall players. Either way, we're not too sure. But, um, yeah, certainly interesting people. George, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Yeah. That's brilliant to hear your views. And, Thanks, um, and, yeah, we'll round it off there. Great, thank you. So that's Bristol City, Bristol City's latest travails on the pitch. We're going to finish the podcast with uh, a look at Blackburn Rovers. This is our sports editor, James Piercy. He was standing in for myself because I couldn't make it this week down to uh, Ashton Gate. James was speaking to Lee Johnson in the uh, pre-Blackburn Rovers press conference. Blackburn Rovers on a decent run, actually. Four wins in their last four games. The only... Uh, Blot on the only blot on their copybook, so to speak, is they uh, they drew the last game. Sorry, uh, against Swansea, a match during this week when the influential Bradley Dack was sent off. So he will be missing for a second uh, visit in succession to Ashton Gate because he wasn't in the four-one win that Bristol City uh, basically uh, managed to eke out against the Rovers uh, last season. So he will be missing again. Huge loss for Tony Mowbray's side. And yeah, Blackburn before that Swansea draw, it's it's four wins in a row for them. So they arrive in some pretty good form this weekend. We asked Lee Johnson for his view on this week's uh, opposition uh, to next arrive at Ashton Gate. And here's what he also said in response to basically why where that Millwall defeat came from. Was there a bit of tiredness in the squad? Why the players were a little bit off colour and why for the first 10 minutes really or so they couldn't pass to each other? I did some analysis after the game and worked out that Josh Brownhill misplaced um, four passes in the first 10 minutes, Jack Hunt three passes and those two guys were were the worst culprits and if you start like that then unfortunately you're never going to get a very good... Uh, beginning to a game, you're never going to be able to establish that tempo that you need to to uh, defeat the opposition at championship level. So, yeah, here's the head coach's views anyway. And we also ended the uh, pre-match press conference with Lee Johnson by asking him what the chances are on loans in the January transfer market. Some interesting answers from him there, including on the likes of uh, Sammy Schmodix, Antoine Semenyo and some others. So here's what Lee had to say. Your assessment last night compared to your assessment now, what what differences are there? Not a lot. Yeah, because I was right last night. <laughs> I'm right this morning. Um, no, not not a lot. I don't. I don't think it was a tactical piece. I don't think it was a attitude errors. I think it was just individuals, whether it be physical, emotional fatigue, didn't perform as we see in our mind's eye mm. as a top 5% of their quality. 
Because mm. you said about it's your job now to find the answer as to why that is. Yeah. Have you found that yet? Um. Or do you think you found? It? Yeah, I think I found it. Yeah, I think I'm. Like, I think the championships are a relentless league with good sides in it, and I think that we we haven't got the luxury of being able to dip mm. in in our uh, state and our performance state. And I think that we did first spells in the game last night. And, like I said, credit has to go to the opposition as well. Done a really good job on us, not aided by a really poor... Um, obviously aided by a really poor goal, from our point of view, um, in, the, in the first sort of 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, sort of further into that, because there's this sort of ongoing perception, you may or may not disagree with it, about how the team are at home compared to how the team are on the road, mm. how you play performances, results... Um, mm. Is that something you buy into? Is there sort of a, um, an acknowledgement that perhaps there are issues at home? I don't feel... I feel like we enjoy playing at home in terms of like the crowd and the atmosphere and everything like that. So I don't feel like there's any problem with that. I think what where that potentially comes into play is opposition's mindset. Yeah. And, uh, and probably us being com- more comfortable without the ball mm. like you've got to remember we've had to recycle this team mm. probably six seven times so we're always losing an attribute gaining an attribute so for example when you've got Webster in the side you expect to control the ball and Webster and De Silva for example down that side uh, was statistically the best uh, in the division mm. in terms of keeping the ball down that channel therefore a different game is suited to those attributes i.e. to build the play to um, take possession of the ball because while you've got the ball the opposition can't score whereas if you look at the flip side of that going away from home to Fulham mm. where you've got to go okay uh, they've probably got better individuals than us and therefore our team structure becomes more important and we win the game without the ball effectively so mm. where we dominated Fulham without the ball away from home mm. um, I would say Millwall done exactly the same to us Huddersfield tried to do that against us and we blitzed them apart mm. so I think each individual game is is good tough where it suits us probably away from home is at the energy we have on the counter mm. but it's very hard to create a counter situation at home when teams are, are coming for seeing a point as a good result Mm. So obviously it's the second loss of the season at home and we hope to turn that around um, again and start a new run at home so uh, I know what you mean mm. but it's definitely not an anxiety from our point of view it's just a case of being better whether, whether we upgrade the quality or improve um, in our in our ball in our ball possession yeah, I was going to say then how do, you, how do you get the players to use the ball better when they have it because it, it's almost like the team like you say, I know you've always kind of changed the team, but for a while now you've been a really good counter-attacking side, mm. but that hasn't quite... Well, not last year. No, last no. year we was built on, like... <laughs> it's like anything, you've got to have the individual attributes. Yeah. Like, you know I mean, if you're robbing Peter to pay Paul in certain attributes, in terms of possession, but then it's very different if you're a counter-attack team. You, you would much, for example... You'd much rather have Baker than Webster in a counter-attack situation, mm. but you'd rather have Webster than Baker in a possession situation. Mm. 
and Baker knows that, Webster knows that. Do you know what I mean? So this is what this is what we've got, and we've got to do our very best. And by the way, we're joint third in the division. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, no, so do you know what I mean? Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> but it's something that again, a new group. If you look at the team, uh, new players, a lot of new players: Masengo, Nagy, Williams, uh, Bentley. Rowe, um, oh, uh, Pereira, all new players in this team, and we're, and we're 17, 18 games in. Mm. So there's still mega bucks of work to do. But I truly believe that we are performing at the best at the moment of, of where we could be in terms of league position. Where, where are where are they in terms of how you want them to be as a team, then, on a scale? Um, so. What is where I see our absolute capacity? Yeah, probably eighty-five percent. But I, th- I think additions open it up even more. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think like you're always looking to get that count and balance right. Give you another example. You're talking about the five versus the four. So the five versus the four, because we've got small fullbacks, you're losing a man. You're talking about Mills five. No, no, I'm talking about our fight. So fans would have a discussion. Mm. Uh, we look stronger at five at the back, or we play Eliasson when we play four at the back. Mm. So let's play four at the back. All right, so you play four at the back, you've got two centre-halves, you've got Jeju, they're your three markers. That's it. Mm. So then you're down like a night like yesterday. Mm. So you're almost effectively one goal behind from a set-piece from the start because they've got... So you've got to score two or three mm. before you start. Whereas if you play a five, you've got Jeju plus three centre halves, mm. and then you're asking Brownell to pick up somebody that's six foot three. Mm. So, do you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's always there's a lot of different ways to win a football match, and a lot of different um, ways to impose yourself on an opposition. And ideally, there's a checklist for a championship win, and that is five players over six foot, energy, youth. Ability number ten to unlock a door, goal scorer and the top goal scoring charts. Do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. One senior experienced defender, one quick one. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, like absolutely. Top yeah. goalkeeper, two fullback, one probably six foot plus, one technical. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So like, like for whatever reason, we traded our. Uh, if you picked a perfect eleven in the Lee Johnson tenure, you'd have it over the three seasons. Yeah. You'd have it over the three, and you could see the likes of Blackburn, for example, that. Are, have actually steadily kept and just added and, and they're on a really good little run okay. which makes it a tough game yeah you mentioned about you said about fatigue potentially mm. um, was that a collective thing or was there certain individuals or perhaps the frequency of games has been it's a, it's a difficult one to judge that we didn't have the physical data like we normally do because Fulham use a different system okay so In what was normally in terms well, of tracking or? yeah tracking yeah so th- that's very different so when you don't get that physical data, you're relying on the eye yeah. and the individuals in terms of um, uh, uh, sort of questionnaire that they would fill out. And I guarantee the players, <laughs> when they know there's a game Tuesday, yeah. they're always, if it was a game Saturday and they thought they might get a day off if they tick tired. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's very different to if they know there's a game Tuesday and they want to start. So that was that to be based on the eye. I felt that we just lacked a little bit of zip compared to what we normally did in terms of our technique. Mm. And I thought our three midfielders, as I would say in Brownhill, 
my second go, Nagy didn't look as sharp as they did against Fulham. Mm. And, and listen, they had a go, and, and they, they, it wasn't a, a character mm. or, or attitude flaw. It was just something wasn't as slick. Um, it's normal. And like I say, you also give credit to the opposition. Yeah, I Nagy and Brown have both had 90 plus touches, I think I saw, which is like shows yeah, how kind of involved they tried to, tried yeah, to have. And, they, and they're honest boys, you know what I mean? And, and look, Nagy was disappointed with himself, and I'm like, look, mate, you're still you're six games into the championship, mm. you know what I mean? And I think it's the most competitive league in the world. And Masengo is doing absolutely amazing at 18 years of age. He's looking like an established. You know what I mean, championship footballer, but he's got to go through these moments to come out, come out of it better. Mm. And for me now, obviously the mindset is moving forward. Is okay. What lessons do we take out of it, and how does the individual um, get better? So the fatigue thing will impact selection for Saturday. It may well do, but we have got an extra day. An yeah. extra day is a lot compared to Blackburn. Yeah, yeah. obviously, and, and our extra day versus well Saturday Sunday Monday game Tuesday versus Tuesday, Wednesday Thursday Friday game Saturday you've got four days rather than three mm. effectively or three and a half days to recover so you'd be surprised that that does make a difference yeah has um, there been a consideration to take, take Andy out of the team for a, for a game never. He, never 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 because he's played he's, I think he's 13th in championship minutes or so because well, he's so consistent yeah. and he, he's such a good lad and I yeah. trust him with my life <laughs> <laughs> and it's simple as that yeah. like I've got to be able to put a team out that trust that I trust that is adhering to the Bristol City ethos and is going to put on an extremely consistent um, performance in terms of energy work rate that Andy's not the most technical player in the world, but he's so consistent with his with his tactical. He's a nine every week in yeah. terms of a tactical score and, and a physical score as well. Would you say he kind of embodies what you want a team to be more than anyone else? I think so. Yeah, I think that for where we are at this at this level, trying to go into the next level, I think Andy and his consistency of his training of his recovery, of his personality, of his performances, is uh, is up there with, with one of the best players I've had in terms of okay. um, that trustworthy nature of a, of a human and a football player. Um, you mentioned about Blackburn and you'd like, you've, always, you've spoke about Tony before, what a good yeah. job he's done there. Yeah. Um, do you see any kind of similarities with Millwall maybe in terms of approach or? No, totally no. different approach, no. I think they, they've got a lot of attacking, attack-minded players like to recycle the ball. I mean, they, they could potentially play with um, Dow, Dowling, Dowling uh, left back, which shows an attacking intent, mm. if you know what I mean. Um, and, and they've got some good players: Rothwell, Dak. Obviously, Graham's come back in, done well. I've always liked the two midfielders. Um, Man City centre half on loan's been doing well. Do you know what I mean? So mm. they're, they're what they are. Is there a they're an established 11 in terms of they know each other's game, they've been together a while, they've had a promotion, they've now had another year in the championship, they've spent money on top without losing players. Mm. 
and uh, there's a nice little consistency. Little under the radar yeah. championship team. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to Swansea or are you not going to Swansea? Sadly not, as much as I would love to. Mm. I'm uh, in Bullingham to attending a, uh, a gala dinner. Fair enough. How's, how's the, I mean, you mentioned about Thomas last night. I don't imagine there's been much time for a sort of reassessment or, or has there? No, no, not at the moment. Yeah. I don't think it'd be fit, to be honest with you. Okay. Which is, like, frustrating. If you look at two of our top players, £10 million worth of player in, uh, at this level in Callas and Jada Silva, mm. then that's why I was frustrated last night because probably five, six days ago I thought I was going to be able to start um, Callas in that one last night, knowing that we needed some key areas of a bit of energy and um, a bit of organisation and quality. Um, and he's our record signing for a mm. reason. <laughs> and, uh, I'm looking forward to getting him back and that's uh, obviously part of the reason that you, you get frustrated in moments like that last night mm. because I know it would have made a difference. Is that... It's, it's, that's all coming from the medical team it's, it's not him as such in terms no, of no, saying he's, yeah. yeah he's a warrior he's definitely I mean he wants to be out there it's not yeah. made, but, but the medical team at the moment are saying it's, a, it's too dangerous to, uh, to play and what about Jay how's his recovery coming on Jay's recovering nicely yeah we're going to have to obviously be careful with him it's not a case of just being able to slam him in do you know mm. what I mean he'll have to be introduced um, so but he does look sharp in terms of the gym stuff he's been doing but he hasn't integrated into full training yet so it's just one on one with the physio but outside on the pitches mm -hmm. so always football specific Does a under 23 games before Christmas is that yeah, we, possible? We, maybe we, we've arranged a game I think 16th or something like that behind closed doors um, against I can't remember who we played Swindon yeah and uh, and that'll be important that one because that tops up quite a few that uh, that need it and hopefully we'll be able to get the likes of Jay maybe a few minutes Callas uh, playing in that one. Okay. Um, just um, finally on um, January, uh, I know you've talked to sort of extensively about players coming in, but in terms of lo loans going out, yeah. um, are there any thoughts on players potentially going out? Yeah, of course there is. <coughs> it's, a, it's a bulky squad at the moment, and that it's not easy. That let me tell mm. you, because everybody wants a carrot at the end of the week. And to be fair, after a game like the other night, a lot of them have got an argument. You know what I mean? Because they can knock on the door, and, and it's one of them. Like, yeah, look, I've got to pick a team, but yeah, like Sammy Smodic, give you an example. Very consistent trainer very consistent humour hasn't quite taken to the levels yet of the championship that we would have hoped he had like he did in pre-season but at the same time hasn't really had the run mm. so like where we are as a football club is we're always buying potential which is great but obviously Sammy wants that carrot at the end of the week so he's really been set the challenge look getting the team <laughs> before January because he if not, we might have to look at a loan for him. But I definitely wouldn't want to lose him because I feel, in terms of a permanent, because I feel he's part of my long-term plans here. Um, but at the same time, he does need to do a bit, if you like, at mm. first-team level in the Championship and run a game to be able to uh, get a consistent starting spot. What about Antoine? Um, 
need to talk to him really like again you've got to have don't forget you've got to have your club developed yeah. on the bench um, we have got options because we've got a lot of good young players um, and we'll have a look at it and do what's right for him he can affect first team games um, and, he, and he needed a bit of a rest from it even though obviously he was there uh, because I think it was sort of a bit of a pressure build up particularly at home where maybe the fans weren't quite taken to him uh, like they did at the start and what comes on the back of that is social media and yeah. and, and the money is now on from what it was on before so there's a whole growing up process here that we, we've got to try and nurture but in terms of again long term future for the football club is one I'm really really excited about mm. but it is, a, it is a thought to potentially send them yeah 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 we've we got yeah I mean look it's, done, it's not rocket science you're playing regular and in every regular squad you ain't going anywhere <laughs> unless it's for mega bucks yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're not in the squad and, and you haven't been making benches and stuff like that then like everyone wants to play football even if players like got Bristol City tattooed on their arm they still want to be playing football. Mm. So they okay. have Bristol City tattooed on there. <laughs> they will do if we get promoted. <laughs> and that's it for episode 103 of Robins on the Wire. We're getting closer to Christmas now and obviously a big game this weekend. Really, City do need to get back on the winning trail if they're going to maintain that top six position. Some tough games coming up. Sheffield Wednesday away after that. Not, not going to be very easy, but obviously we'll see what happens. Of course, if we hear any more transfer news ahead of the January window opening, then uh, we'll be be sure to relay it. Of course, you can always find us online uh, at bristolpost.co.uk for all the latest transfer news and a whole lot more. Thanks for listening and uh, be sure to join us for episode 104 next week. Robins on the Wire.